0: Chapter eleven of I've Come To Stay A Love Comedy of Bohemia by Mary Heaton Vorse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor Maine. Chapter eleven The tables were almost full when Camilla and Ambrose went in. The one waiter was an alert, hard faced little man who pocketed the contributions given to him, probably never to disgorge them again it could not have been for love or mere wages that he remained so late and as it was impossible for him to serve all the people a friend of the proprietor's tended bar and gave him the money the following day the direct actionists in the place helped themselves the theatre was over and a group of hungry actors descended they ordered steak by the square foot the cook at seeing them brought out broilers a broiler a person he was a gaunt and gloomy individual and at the sight of the thespians he pulled himself together like one who nerves himself for one supreme effort before an approaching collapse. The appetites of the ladies of the company equaled those of the gentlemen. They quarrelled hungrily as to who should have each ration of food. The cook began frying potatoes not in the usual quantities, but by the bushel-basket. It was a wonderful and epic spectacle to see the hungry players eat. One went back to those fine old primitive days when food was the compelling passion, when man after hunting gorged and slept and gorged again, back to the days when man fought for his meat and when woman smiled upon the goriest hunter. At last the actor's replete began to talk again. The cook, his last ounce of strength spent in brewing a mammoth pot of coffee, staggered to the door. The restaurant, full as ever, was now left entirely to the guests. The hunger of the players had been contagious. Everyone wanted an egg sandwich. A young man of agreeable and dignified aspect solemnly constructed one egg sandwich after another. There was nothing in his mien to make one think he had been drinking, except possibly a little sternness in his dignity, and the fact that he seemed unable to stop frying eggs. He fried them ceaselessly, solemnly, gravely, as though consummating a great life-work. With a sacerdotal air he broke the egg into the pan. After a certain moment he flopped the egg in the air. From time to time he refreshed himself with drink, and after each drink he became more solemn and more coordinated. Great and inexpressible thoughts were in his mind. The frying of the egg had become to him some mighty symbol of the universe. As each egg was fried, he put it between slices of bread and handed it to the waiting throng, with the air of one handing a key to the mystery of life there had been a slight shifting among the habitues Sidell and moriarty sat in one corner of the room gazing moodily at mary Dean, who was deep in conversation with john they were oblivious to their surroundings they did not see the egg friar they were not aware of the players and their great feet worthy of gargantua they did not even hear a man who played ornstein they were as alone as in the fields of elysium old birds they were too to be love-making late at night in this place mary fresh as a hawthorn hedge and trevelyan the tan of outdoors dark upon him in the midst of it they were aloof absorbed the others were but the painted phantoms of a fevered dream at last camilla heard john trevelyan say it's time you went home mary i'm going to take you there they stopped on their way out before camilla and ambrose mary and i are going to get married in the morning trevelyan announced Ambrose was in no temper to be congratulatory, for the worm of envy ate at his heart. So the little village of hasty marriages got you, did it? he jeered. I thought you believed in free unions, Trevelyan. I did, said Trevelyan, with a look in his eyes, as of one who had never left Arcady. But I tell you how it is, Ingraham. Fellows who are not in love have all kinds of batty theories. But when you care for a girl, little old city hall is good enough for you. You can the each-one-goes-his-own-gate kind of talk when you really care, don't you, Mary? Mary just smiled at him. I wish you'd tell Tommy Moriarty for me, she said, with the supreme and egotistic confidence of the bride. Certainly, replied Ambrose. And is there anybody else's jugular you'd like me to cut for you as a wedding present? Anyone on whom you'd like me to commit mayhem, Mary, as a souvenir of your bohemian days? I wish, Trevelyan, you'd tell me how you got away with it. I tried to get a girl to marry me, and all she did was to make a fool of me. I didn't do much, Trevelyan said. I just told her she'd got to, and she just happened to care for me. That's all, I guess. From the next room came the heartbreaking sounds of a violin. That's Sasha, said Camilla. I think I'd better talk to him. Oh, no, you won't, said Ambrose. I have much tolerance, but I'm not a supine worm. I'm going to take you home now, myself, and then I'm coming back to stick a knife into poor Tommy Moriarty's heart which will undoubtedly keep me until morning as they left the egg fryer was still frying eggs he had discovered a bushel basket of them under the table intended for the sunday morning breakfast as though he were appointed by god to fry eggs through all eternity end of chapter 11 recording by expatriate in bangor maine